DJ here, and this is The Sound of Black and Brown. I'm very excited for today's episode because a good friend, comrade, and sister in the struggle is going to join in in a few minutes, and she's going to share her thoughts on what's happening right here, right now in New Haven and Hamden, Connecticut, and Connecticut in general. You see, because we have some unspoken issues here, and unfortunately, when we as black and brown people when we attempt to rise up and speak, when we attempt to, you know, um, share our voices, our opinions, um, just share ourselves, there's a lot that happens in the background, a lot that, you know, you don't necessarily hear about experiences that happen primarily to those in the struggle, um, those such as herself. I've known this woman um, for quite some time, and I have to tell you, the work she's done, it's incredible. But unfortunately, like so many of our freedom fighters who attempt to forge the way, they're met with the gatekeeping and the gaslighting. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to dive into that. We're going to also find out what's been going on and what to expect from our friends at Hamden Action Now. So what do you think? Do we really have you know, freedom of speech here in Connecticut? Do you really feel like in New Haven and Hamden as a black or brown person, you could really say how you feel and challenge the system? I'm going to do a quick sound check. I see my friend Rhonda has tuned in. Hey, Ron. Can you hear me? Rhonda? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. So, Ron, All right. I am like a little school kid. I was just saying to the audience because someone I've known, uh, Queen in the struggle here, is with us today. And that, you know, we're going to be sitting on and having a nice chat about what's going on right here, right now in New Haven and Hamden, Connecticut. But before we do that, how about you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your platform? All right. I am uh, created my platform for um, during the pandemic because we were heavily involved here in uh, New Haven County in police accountability after a 2019 shooting of an innocent man and woman couple um, who were uh, shot on by the police, by the Hamden Police Department. So we protested for the person to be fired, the police officer to be removed from service and duty. Um, so we continue to do that work. And then pandemic hits in 2020. Mm-hmm. We can't have the work stop. No. No. Fighting continue on. So what can we, so for those tuning in, um, can you tell us a little bit about Hamden Action Now, like where they could tune in and what to expect a little bit? Okay. Hamden Action Now has a YouTube channel, a Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Hamden Action Now public group has a Facebook page, and we all usually, I will normally um, post several um, videos to a community conversations about, um, you know, the things that affect our local community here. We don't have We don't have a local newspaper. 
we don't right. have, you know, the all these, the, all those mediums that we used to be able to uh, communicate with each other are all basically dried up. The larger right. newspapers, the larger TV stations, all those things that used to be in place about 25, 30 years ago are gone. So right. we, I created this page to basically be, you know, have one space. We have a private group where we actually can speak unapologetically black. And then mm. I have a public page where we can you know, disseminate information to the community of what's needed and what's happening. Um, the reason why we have a private page because we have mm -hmm. uh, very heavy uh, white supremacist groups here in Hamden, very, um, very heavy, very strong groups who mm -hmm. you know, have targeted me and other members of people who've come to our page and, you know, targeted their jobs and try to get them mm -hmm. fired for speaking unapologetically black. So it's vitally important um, to have a private space. I think that's amazing. And just to talk to that for a second, folks. Now, see, I'm about to say stuff here. It's about to sting your ears. Here we are. This is that point in the podcast. If you have sensitive hearing, please tune off because I'm not going to apologize. I feel like, you know, for too long, we've had to not speak how we feel and speak like a bunch of slaves, <laughs> you know. And just to go back to what our friend here, uh, Rhonda, is talking to, this woman let me just let me just clarify something. This lady right here is the main reason why those folks who were unfairly treated, you know, they were targeted and attacked by a police officer. They did nothing wrong. And had it not been for her advocacy, she was one of the key people in ensuring that Paul Witherspoon and Stephanie Washington got something that looked like justice, right? And I'm saying something that looked like justice because as you'll also um, say to you all, there's so much work left to be done. My God. My God. How do you feel about the policing now in Hamden since that incident, Rhonda? Do you feel like anything has improved? Well, not really. There's no transparency in Hamden. Um, mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, you know, politicians continue to be politicians. And black people continue to be black people. Um, they don't question people in positions of authority. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was, after all this stuff went down, I was appointed to the Hand of Police Commission. Shortly mm -hmm. after that, we requested copies of the, um, there was an FOI request because of course they're not gonna just disclose information. Mm -hmm. so we requested, you know, civilian complaints and you know, um, the internal complaints that were uh, lodged against police officers and our mayor along with mm -hmm. the former police chief, just promptly destroyed the records. The records were destroyed. They signed off on the document, sent it to the state of Connecticut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is bullshit. That's bullshit. So nothing's really changed. I don't, I don't, I mean, I was completely silenced from day one of being on that police commission. Yes. We don't have a civilian review board, which is really primarily civilians. And everybody's handpicked by the mayor who decides, you know, who, who gets these seats and who doesn't. And, you know, I only had one other person on the committee, um, Daniel Dunn, who was interested in transparency. Everybody else was trying to protect, you know, now keeping see, things under wraps. Now, see, here's my, here's my, and I'll say this part here, right? Because of, you know, here we go again. Black people always have to come ready with a disclaimer. When we have to speak our truth, we had to say in advance, you know, give the little disclaimer. Here's what I'm about to talk about. Now, let me tell you all this, right? Just for those tuning in who may not be aware, 
what she just described, these folks were not aggressive in their request. It was a simple FOIA. And this mayor disregarded it. And she did what she needed to do to ensure that the records were not revealed. Okay? So what would happen is, after the information was requested, conveniently everything was destroyed. All right? That's one part of it. The other part of it is that all, if not most, of the people who advocated and have been challenging that system in Hamden have had a clapback. There's been some sort of, you know, reaction and gatekeeping and gaslighting. That's another part of it. The other part of it is that, unfortunately, too many of our own people sat and watched it happen. But here's the part of all this shit that even compounds the whole shit. Right? I mean, it's a lot of shit to begin with, but there's shit on top of shit. And the biggest amount of shit in it is the fact that the current mayor of Hamden, much like the mayor of New Haven, ran their campaign basing it on the needs and the cries of the people. And if you go back in time and you see when Lauren Garrett was running for mayor, she was allegedly one of the woke white people who wanted justice but we don't see it anymore. What, what justice was she talking about, Rhonda? Can you help me figure that out? What, what was she looking for? Because clearly that's not what she wanted. I'm sorry, I was trying to unmute. I don't, You're fine. I think that, you know, politicians are just that. And that's what, that's what happened here and what continues to happen. Mm -hmm. They say whatever they need to say so they can get votes. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's about vote getting um, and a power grab. Um, I mean, the black people in the Southern Hamden, Newhallville section, Newhall, um, you know, they have a crumbling foundation problem that's been going on for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. We all know that the town of Hamden, along with the state of Connecticut, received several hundred million dollars from the federal government, COVID infrastructure money. Um, and not one dime of this money has found its way to these residents whose homes in Newhallville are crumbling literally around their their eyeballs. I mean, they just they have they're losing their homes literally. Um, right. There's no sense of urgency to address that matter. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we we had a young man who was um, killed and whatnot, and then there was the Hamden police sergeant, I believe, uh, at the time, accused one of the town council members of, well, you lowered the budget for the police, so that's why we had a slow response. There oh was no God. accountability for that. Um, you know, uh, yeah, there's no account accountability for that that we know of because the police commissioners are not even allowed to, if, if, if the, the way the contract, the, um, the contract for, with the police union is States, from what I understand, is that we're not even allowed to see any of the uh, complaints or infractions if the if it doesn't rise to a certain amount of days of being suspended by the chief. So I mean, it's still the same smoke and mirrors that's always been there. Um, there's no accountability for a lot of the actions, and maybe there is, but again, the civ the civilian board, which is us, the police commission aren't right. privy to this information. And when we asked for the old information, it got destroyed. So wow. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. 
And you know, again, folks, here's the thing with, with this woman. Um, what's her name? Lauren. This is the same person when it was to her advantage. This is white saviorism, white supremacy right here in action, right? She exploited the movement. She was at the marches. She's at the front. She's crying. She's challenging the same set of police whom she is now guiding, okay? As soon as she takes on the role, suddenly things start to disappear. Suddenly she doesn't know this. Suddenly. Maybe she has amnesia. We don't know, and I can't say that we give a fuck. But the point being, this is what I have been telling you all about. This right here, the gatekeeping, the gaslighting. So enter our friend Rhonda. And here she is with Danielle Dunn, you know, Lori Sweet, you know, Justin Farmer. They're all challenging the system. And one by one, you know, they're all having to deal with the effect of actually trying to change the same system that this woman allegedly care about. What the fuck is that? Now, Rhonda, I want to ask you, right, what changes, in your opinion, right, say you had the ability to make three changes in Hamden to improvement, to improve it, sorry, what would those be and why? And how would you uh, Well, one, one of which, I mean, <clears throat> the people who are part of the police commission, um, it, it's got, you, you know, I know they just recently changed the charter to make it a person from each um, district, there's nine districts in Hamden, but that doesn't really mean anything either because if they're all po po political appointments by the city mayor, mm -hmm. clearly they're going to have a, all of these appointees are going to be people who subscribe Before to their, her. yeah, they basically subscribe to their, that mayor's, um, you know, pol you know, policy um, preferences. So I don't, I don't know what you do with Hamden. Um, I don't know what Hamden ha happens with Hamden. Hamden South End was deliberately cut off in the early 1900s to resources and money um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s because of segregation and redlining and things of that, that nature. It's never recovered. In fact, people in Hamden want to say that the people in South Hamden are, they're the reason for the their infrastructure problems and their school problems and that poverty and the drugs and the crime and blah, blah, blah. You know, when all of us who's willing to read a book or a newspaper will realize that that community was designed to be in its current state. So, you know, they should try to, you know, I mean, I, I was always, I used to laugh a little while back, back in 2020 and said, you know, Southern Hamden should just draw a new line and create its own little town and go get its own money. You know, I mean, create its own town, have its own police force, because we're paying for police and school and infrastructure that accommodates that doesn't that none of that accommodates the community. And I don't even live down there. I live close to that neighborhood, but I don't I live uh, a little bit you know, a couple miles away, maybe about a mile away. So I don't know what we do with Hamden. You know, I mean, I, you know, the, the New Haven Register, Megan Friedman asked me, well, what would I have done differently? I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. You know, if you get a politician that comes in and says that they're, you know, all about black lives, but then the minute they get there, they won't answer. They won't even take the phone call of the woman that was shot. They wouldn't even take a phone call from the woman that was shot by her, the police department and say, oh, that's happened before my watch. I don't even know what to say to that. 
That's insane. Now let's talk about that article in the register now. So a couple of days ago, a few days ago, if folks don't know, about a week now, there was an article, bullshit, put in the register. I'm not surprised because, you know, one of the main reasons why I don't read the register is because I, I genuinely find the reporting in general to be quite biased. It's not reporting meant to uplift black and brown people. It's reporting to remind us of who they are and then to uplift the whites. And I find that most of the articles are construed in that fashion. Now, on a personal level, what was disappointing to me is that the reporter, Megan Friedman, is one whom I assumed would have been more astute to recognize in bullshit in the sense of if you were told that someone is stepping down from a post, a black or brown person, and you claim to be a white ally, right? Instead of taking time in your life to go ahead and call the other white people and create a story against that black woman, why the fuck didn't you call the black woman? Get her statement first. Get the story right from the jump. But you didn't do that. To me, that's white supremacy in action. Because you see, look at what she just did. She didn't go protecting. She says Black Lives Matter. She claims to care about black and brown people. But look at who she made sure to protect in that particular article, and it was not the black woman. Instead, the way that article was written, it was clearly subjective. It was not objective whatsoever, in my opinion. Um, and also, it contained mistruths, but lies sell. That's how white supremacy builds itself, upon lie, upon lie, upon lie, right? Now, at the end of it, just so folks know, while we are saying these things, true to form, the rotten fruit will fall for themselves. Because here's the bottom line. There are facts that cannot be refuted. The fact that those public records were conveniently destroyed cannot be refuted. The fact that there's still things to come out regarding the policing and all involved in the policing in Hamden is still to come out. You can't stop that. It's going to happen. The question is, what happens when that happens? Now, just now, I had the opportunity to join in on a community conversation with Ms. Caldwell. Like I said, this woman is fiery old. I mean, if you're not willing to hear the truth, I don't know what to tell you. Just don't listen, right? Because that's the only way we could change things. Nobody told you that change was going to be comfortable. You're going to have to hear some shit that will sting but you're going to have to deal with it, not just set it off to the side. Can't live like that, right? Now, in this conversation she and I just had, we were talking about, you know, the upliftment of black voices in particular. Rhonda, could you talk a bit about that and why you felt that was so important to talk about? Well, I mean, you know, these things that are happening are happening to our community. It's not happening outside of our community. Um, and, you know, we the, our biggest challenge in our community is not being sold out by black leadership. I mean, that's, that's I don't know about you, um, sis, but I think my chief challenge today is not the rabid, you know, Trump supporter. Um, it, is, it is the sold out black person who's in a leadership position who the second they get that position, they don't take your phone calls anymore, or they never took them. 
and they sell you out and they stand back and they watch you get assassinated by the press. You know, that is our chief obstacle right now, I believe. I don't I don't know of any other obstacle that's worse. And so we need to have conversations as to be able to really win back or even, you know, um, bring in new people who are of like mind and like skin color, because there's there's too many on the other side of the fence that's working against their own damn community. And how freaking ridiculous is that? You know, a policy, you know, policy making, which is what real politicians are supposed to be, they're policy makers. You know, if you don't have a policy maker that has your community, uh, you know, at the top of their preference list, then what the fuck are you voting for them for? You know, but other people, oh, well, they need to have this policy for everybody. Yeah, but they didn't always have policies for everybody. We lived in a segregated state for, you know, the better part of this country's history where it wasn't, oh, policies for everybody. There were policies for white people only. And so why is it so, why is it so hurtful? And so people get so upset and they lose their, their shit when I say, well, we need some black only policies. You've had white only policies for a million years. I don't get it, but we're going to continue to have these conversations because we need to really educate black people and make them pay attention to what's happening economically and politically around them. You cannot fall asleep on it. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely correct. And, you know, here's the thing, right? So Rhonda right now, you know, she's always been really great at really, you know, touching that point. And we need to uplift this voice guys. We need to make sure we protect it. We need to make sure that we do better by ensuring that the black and brown people who are standing up and challenging white supremacy have the support and the access and the opportunity to do so. Because without that, we could change nothing. If I had to change something in New Haven, Rondo, I would actually, if I were, if I had the power, that'd be, I would actually you know, make it where the restaurants in New Haven, instead of throwing their food out in the dump, in the dumpster, we hire a bunch of people to check it, of course. Don't constantly feel with the bullshit. I'm just saying an idea. Now, we'll hire people to check the food. We'll have a system where if by 7 p.m. you're not sold out, start to discount the damn thing. Promote that idea. So what would happen is, Say you have a restaurant, and at 7 p.m. you're closing at 10. You notice that you still have chicken, this, that left. Offer a leftover plate. You know, price it at $10. You get whatever is in it, but you get the food out there. Now, you're still making a little money. You can keep some money in your pocket. With the food that's left after that, how about we give it over to the Board of Ed and feed our kids actual food instead of the bullshit that they're getting right now because most of these children, what they eat in the school is probably their only meal for the day, okay? So that would be me, that's one thing that if I had to dig in something, that would be um, something I would address in that way. Do you have anything like that that you would do? What would that be? Yeah, I mean, these are the things that, you know, if you had policymakers who really gave a damn would be doing. Um, there should be no food thrown away in this country, not with the amount of hunger, especially ch child, you know, and pediatric hunger that's going on right now. We have a, I'm on a board of a nonprofit where, you know, we apply for grants all the time, 
where we would either pay for, you know, people's utilities who are, you know, running into a, you know, during the pandemic, everybody had a challenge. Um, but we want to continue to grow that. We want to grow that into being able to feed people and house people. Um, but it's all incremental and all costs money. Um, but, you know, if you want, if anybody wants to hear and you want to give to our nonprofit, it's called urban Don uh, urbanconcepts.org. Uh, urbanconceptsco.org, and you can go ahead and give to our, our, our nonprofit. We take our money, uh, we have a very small little tiny infrastructure where basically the board of directors run everything um, and we're volunteer, but we want to take our money and put it back on, on the streets because see, these are the things that the policymakers are not doing. You know, unfortunately, you know, what you have just explained is that really, those are all great ideas, but you, you try to pitch that to Justin Elliker or Lauren Garrett. They're going to send you to somebody else's department and say, oh, we're already doing that, but you're not already doing it, you know, but and that, and that's what they do. Um, they deflect. That's what a real politician, politician does. They don't ever say, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's go ahead and see if we can look into getting it up and running. They deflect and say, oh, we're already doing that. Well, you're not already doing it. So my point I'm making, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, you know, our, our nonprofit, which is not, it is black run, black led. There's no, you know, white folks from the suburbs on our board or any involved in any way. Um, we need to continue to raise money to feed the community and house the community. That's amazing. Now, something that you're touching on, I want to go there, right? Because I know that <laughs> y'all, you're about to hear some shit. Now, in terms of our legislature, right? I feel like there's a lot of gatekeeping and gaslighting that happens there. And it starts with even being able to run for office, right? To run for office, the financial requirement, in my opinion, is ridiculous. Take it from there on. And, and, and even, even trying to get ballot access. I mean, the Democrats in Connecticut, they, you know, and I, I'm a card carrying registered Democrat, so I'm, speak, I'm talking about the people that are in my party. You know, we control the legislature. We have been for years, for decades, actually. And, you know, even to get ballot access is 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 disgraceful. I mean, it's very hard to get ballot access in Connecticut um, unless you have uh, the party um, who are the, you know, the gatekeepers. The, the party leadership um, decides that you're worthy um, and then they get the, the town committee to elect you. At, a, at the convention, which is our conventions are coming up in the end of, Ju in the end of July. And incidentally, in New Haven and Hamden, they set the convention day for the very last day the state allows you to have a convention because it gives you very little time to go out and get, and get petition signatures to force a primary. It's all done by design, you know? Um, so it, it gives the incumbent the upper hand to not be primaried and go straight into the general election in November. But getting a treasurer is hard. Even trying to navigate through the state elections enforcement commission um, process is, is very difficult. A lot of people don't want to do it. I do it. Um, I found some software that does a really great job in filing reporting and accounting for all of the uh, donation donor money. Um, but that's very hard. And, and, and it's just, it's a lot of work. And, and it's impossible to do. I like our registrar of voters, even to go down and get the petitions and go register and say that you want to even petition and do a primary, you had to take time off from work because the registrar of voters, I don't believe, is even open during after business hours. Are you serious? So how, 
So wait a minute, but then it's not just that, right? It's also the access, the physical access is problematic, isn't it? It's very problematic. It's hard. You got to call up to the state secretary of state's office and talk to them about some things. Then you got to call and then you got some, if you don't decide to run on a third party, you got to ride up there and spend an hour or two just trying to get them to sign your paper. Then you have to go back and get it, get more petition signatures. It's, it's just a hot mess. I mean, Daryl Brackeen Jr. is a prime example. You know, I mean, you know, the, the he ran for secretary of state. Then, you know, he wasn't able to get any support there. He wanted to run in his district as a state rep as a, in the General Assembly. Um, they had a woman who literally looks like she's on her deathbed, um, who is the, the General Assembly state rep now, but they want her. They'd rather have someone on their deathbed than some, a young progressive uh, black man, you know, family man, husband and father to who represents the community and what it looks like. God forbid they have that. So the, the, again, the, the, the Democratic Town Committee leadership decides they're the ultimate gatekeepers. When you go to the polls in November, you really think that that's democracy. It's really not. The democracy happens at the end of this month. And you, if you go to any of these Democratic Town Committee meetings and you see democracy, you see how, how democratic, and I'm using air quotes, that is. Because these people are already, Justin Elliger is already going to be on, he's already been selected. They've already had discussions. So going through the, the, the same thing with Lauren Garrett, they've already had discussions. She's got enough votes to get the Democratic Town Committee to give her the endorsement. With that, she doesn't have to get signatures. She can just start campaigning. So she knows she'll be on row A of any ballot going forward. That is crazy. Now, I want to go back to Daryl, right? Because he's also a good friend, comrade, and all of that. And that is a live example of what we're talking about. The shit they did to that boy just to prevent him from being active in the process. Now, they talk a talk out here about... We believe in diversity, equity, and inclusivity, but they gatekeep the fuck out of everything. And then when you don't want to abide and yield, they gaslight the shit out of you, right? Now, going back to that, right, on another side of it, within the committee itself is the bullshit. Isn't there, Rhonda? Right? There's a lot of gatekeeping, gaslighting, all that horseshit happening there, too. Well, it is. I mean, like over here in Hamden, on our Democratic Town Committee, our committee basically is made up of, you know, Lauren Garrett supporters because her and her husband, um, you know, organized, you know, taking out the old members of the Democratic Town Committee. But here's the sad part. Like you're acting just like them. We, her, her if you, if you close your eyes, this term is on the DTC and in the mayor's office is just a carbon copy of the last person that was there. What, no one can tell me what's different. The South End is still ignored. Foundations are still crumbling. The streets are still crumbling. There's still a 25 year old dilapidated uh, uh, middle school building and gym sitting in the middle of the black community as blight town owned property. Nothing has changed. And if it has, somebody needs to tell me what it is. Oh, my taxes still went up too. My property taxes too. I was just about to say that because it's like what has changed. I'll tell you what's changed. Somehow in all of that, somehow by the good grace of the white Jesus, they found the money to get more police. So y'all need to be grateful. I'm being very sarcastic on purpose. Y'all need to be grateful, Negroes, because y'all did not appreciate that this 
white savior decided that black lives didn't matter after she got elected, okay? And let me tell you something. If she meant that, she would have made sure personally that Stephanie Washington was truly paid for what she went through. She got nothing. Yeah, I mean, Stephanie Washington got a payoff right before the election cycle started. That's the way I see it. What do you mean by that? Tell people what you mean by that. No, I mean, that's the payoff. I mean, that basically, you know, I mean, Stephanie was shot at in in, uh, April of 2019. Her lawyer Mm -hmm. had been trying to get everybody on, you know, on the phone. She wouldn't take any phone Mm -hmm. calls. And now she has to protect the town from lawsuits. But you were Mm -hmm. not about protecting the town when you were out there, you know, draping your kids in the Black Lives Matter flag, talking about justice denied, justice denied is, uh, justice delayed is justice denied. You know, and all that was all good rhetoric to get you some votes, mm-hmm. right? Now, mm-hmm. as soon as you get in, you're not taking her phone calls. You're not looking right. like you want to negotiate with them. So what are we supposed to believe? Well, not what only her. Believe? Well, not only her, but I'll say this. I am saying this, right? CJ is saying this. Look at what she did to Rhonda. Rhonda was the same person who ensured that Lauren had a voice in the community. And I'll dare say, had it not been for your advocacy on her behalf, she wouldn't be sitting there. That's my Well, we, we, the protesters, gave her a platform. Right. The protesters put Hamden on the map. The protesters are the ones that got rid of Kurt Lane. Because Kurt Lang, Kurt Lang, the former mayor, um, was problematic because he just basically, he did all he could do to try to make it go away, you know. So this was an opportunity for her to, like you said, exploit this opportunity. That's the way I see it. Because if you, right after you get elected, you can't take phone calls from this lady. I mean, what is a, what is a, a quick 30 minute meeting and say, yes, all of our lawyers are going to talk. We we hear you. You know, we respect your position. I'm in this position. I'm going to make sure right. we're going to expedite this. Uh, you don't have right. to get anything substantive in a conversation, but just be respectful, right? right. That, that doesn't harm anything. Just be no, respectful. I, so, you know, I want to meet with you. I mean, that's what I would have done. I mean, I don't think I would have put the town in any kind of jeopardy, but just to blatantly right. not take phone calls until it's time right. to get back to the election cycle and then negotiate a deal, is it, it's a little grimy. A little grimy is an understatement, especially since she had no problem posing in pictures prior to taking office. This woman was in so many pictures, you know, when it was time to campaign and lie and say that you care about black and brown people, there was no problem. You could see her everywhere. She would take your phone call. She was even, you know, challenging other white women and calling them racist, right? So we were just playing our role, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, this is why we have a Hamden Action Now private group platform, because we have to really organize against being exploited for votes. You can't exploit a black community that's already been exploited. You know, you can't burn down a black community that's already been burnt down um, economically, socially, politically, and otherwise, and educationally. 
you know, and we, we have to begin to organize against this kind of action because it's, it's really filthy, honestly. It is because what they do is they infiltrate our, they're still infiltrating our communities in different ways. And when they do that, they come in, they pretend to give a shit, and then they get what they want. And what do they do after that, Rhonda? Tell the people what they do after that. They hit the road. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's really, I mean, I mean, I I know I feel played. I don't know how everybody else feels. I mean, I, I, know, I, I know I I feel like I I I mean, and then this um uh, you know the um the police commission appointment and 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 that woman that they they put on that, that that was just no that was just that was like step two that was slap mm-hmm. number two you know mm-hmm. you have this mm-hmm. woman that's there who's who's just basically there to, to burn down anything or any plan or anything that we had planned and they let her do it and yeah they well they put her there to do it as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. they put her there deliberately to do it um she was problematic right. in other commissions prior to this one y'all knew it and then you stuck her over there so she's the slave catcher on the scene, basically. Yeah. She's the one. Yeah, right. Because really, mm-hmm. that's what you call that. You know, mm-hmm. because, there's, you know, if you're really, and again, I'm going to refer to the fact that this woman ran her campaign on police brutality, literally. Because as Rhonda said, she built her platform. When we met Lauren, she wasn't even talking about running for mayor. Let's talk about that part. Okay. But then when she saw an opportunity, she took it and she used the same platform that even introduced her to all of this to her advantage and just left everybody else there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, I, like I said, it, it, this is, this is what happens in the black community. Our suffering is always being used for other right. people's benefit. Right. Which is ex- exponentially disgusting. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when do we have anyone who really comes in the community who really gives a damn? Right, right. You come in our community, you're just coming in to make a little money or get a few votes. Right. Take a few pictures, you mm-hmm. know, high five this one, high five that one. And, you know, and you see, that's the thing. And right here in New Haven, that ideology is what has been discouraging people from being in, even interested in the current mayoral candidate. Yeah. Because a lot of people are tired of that shit. You know, people mm-hmm. are tired. We have so many people. What, what is the number you gave me? For 500,000 people registered to vote? In and, 2020 and didn't show up to the polls. That's it. So to me, it's not a problem of getting voters. It's getting people to the polls, right? And how do we do that? And in my opinion... Yeah. What we could do, see, Connecticut doesn't need to wait on New York or another state to do something, Boston or, or wherever. They could lead the way. They could do things like, say, let's lower the financial requirement for candidacy. To me, that will change things exponentially because people do not realize it costs a lot of money to even run for office. Mm-hmm. And let's, lower the it, amount, let's lower the amount of required signatures. So yes. you don't have to you don't have to go out like right now last year Brad McDowell last time Black Brad McDowell had to go out and get I don't know somewhere close to 1100 signatures in like 9 days. Oh my god. Because they deliberately set the date of the convention the last 
day of the legally the last day that the state allows you to, to have your convention and it only gives you nine more days after that to go and get the signature so you can force a primary oh my god you see i mean you can have your convention anytime you want you can have your convention in may you can have it in in april you can have it in june but sounds mm-hmm. like you know new haven and hamden they wait for the last possible day to have their convention that's crazy that's gatekeeping because when you do stuff like that, you know what the result is going to be. It's just like what out here in New Haven, a lot of people, even though they don't support Justin Ellicker, they believe he's going to win just from the fact of who he's connected to, meaning Yale. Meaning, you know, he has the DTC on lock. So in general out here, the word is he's going to win anyway, no matter what happens, because right now, the other people who are going up against him, challenging him, they haven't really impressed anybody. You have Shafiq, who he is um, a former police officer, and he is manages his campaign with that mindset. What I mean is he only wants to appeal to certain areas. Like right now, he's trying to get Wooster Square. Who lives in Wooster Square? That's the Italian. Again, white people. We have Liam, an independent that nobody really knows, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't do good work, but he has a lot of white liberal views that, you know, for us who are tired, we're fed up, we're unemployed, we don't have enough money to feed our children, we're frustrated, we're only, you know, we're getting hit with all these different bills, you know, we're crying out for help. We need people who really represent us. And then let's not forget Tom Goldenberg, right, who, if you look at it parallel, you'll see that he is using Dusted Elliker's rule book. He hired, a, you know, he cherry-picked, I should say, a group of eligible black and brown people to do his work for him. So now you see them more than you see him. And once again, we have this situation where we have the chosen ones coming out into the community campaigning for white people. Why aren't we campaigning for ourselves, Rhonda? Take it well, me. because that, that's just the whole point. I mean, the whole point here is that we, we don't do anything we sit down and then we complain about who we get. Um, we put no work into vetting whoever is going to be on that ballot. Um, and then we complain about it um, as opposed to, you know, letting, allowing the community to decide. Like we can't just keep allowing people who are not from our community to decide our leadership and then be mad when the leadership doesn't represent us. So that's basically what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, but, and also, too, when we find leadership like Robin Porter, who support us, we got to get out of the trend of allowing yeah. them to I get I mean, we, we continue to get into situations where we don't yeah. have, we, we constantly wait for whatever leadership shows up and then complain and go over there and beg them to give a shit. That's not going to happen. It doesn't work like that. We're doing it. We're putting the cart before the horse. You know, I mean, we have to have, the, we have to have leadership that you go to and you say listen mm-hmm. as a collective as a collective we need leaders in each community to go who represents like like you you represent new hallville right right and you represent right. a thousand voters in new hall let's say you represent a thousand voters in new hallville then you have somebody from fairhaven then you have somebody from the hill and i have over here i have somebody from all nine districts go to the mayor and say listen if you don't take care of the crumbling foundations and give us some concrete 
dates and times of when this is going to be dealt with, my thousand people in my district will not be voting for you. That's right. That's, that's right. You see how easy that is? I mean, every it, it, that's it, it, only works if you're a collective. You should have the five members of each right. community over there in Ham in New Haven right. go to Elliker's office, that's schedule right. a meeting. See if he, right. if he if he sends one of his people and he doesn't show up, then you know he doesn't get his vote. I mean, if you have five five leaders of five thousand people who are voting, mm-hmm. and you go to him and say, "These are our demands." Mm-hmm. And if you can't meet our demands, you see this person over here in this, this chair in this corner, we're going to put right. that person in your seat. That's right. But this is the <laughs> thing, right? Nobody will do my it. Opinion, nobody will do it. And in my opinion, Rhonda, this is why I say the Board of Alders in New Haven is obsolete. It's a waste of time. It's just, it's just another block in the way. Because really what happens is a lot of our stuff gets held up there. And... We elect these people in, and most of them do not do what you just said. Imagine if they actually did that, what things would really look like in this city. Well, that's what Daryl Bakin did. Daryl, mm-hmm. when we knocked doors from him, he knew everybody in his region. Whenever there was yes, a fire did. at a house or a flood, they called Daryl. Yes. Yes. I don't know what the other alders are doing, but you right. see how they handled him. They, they, they right. ran him out of town with a stick. Yes. Yes, because God, God forbid he go above the, the, the Democratic the Democratic Committee and the Democratic Party and say, I would like to do something different. God yeah. forbid. Yeah. God forbid, because when he does that, who will he take the power from? Right. But Daryl right. was ready to do it. He was ready to do it. Of course he was, because Daryl was true to his form. That's why I said most of them we're not like that, right? They didn't even, mm-hmm. they only engaged their community when they needed the vote. The same thing Lauren is doing now. She engaged everybody, she got the vote, and then she went about her business, and what did she do? You know who she sounds like? Christopher Columbus, because didn't he do the same damn thing? Mm-hmm. Didn't he do that? He went all the way to Africa. He told his people, I'm about to take you somewhere so you can have running water and lights, and what did, what ended up happening? Boom, mm-hmm. slavery. Yeah. See? So what needs to happen is people need to really take the blinds off and notice we're not crazy. We're not delusional. Yes, we're angry black women, right? Of course. For a reason. For a reason. And you need to be mad too. And actually, if you're not mad, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong, right? We need to get fed up. We need to get up and stand up. Enough is enough. I I keep saying you keep saying it, Rhonda. You would think after COVID, people would have learned something. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. You would think. No learning. What nope. did we learn? I mean, look at all the work that was done during the civil rights movement. Like you said, in the 70s, after that, it's done. It's finished. We got scared. We got scared. And then we got comfortable. And, you know, now look at us. Yeah, I think we really got comfortable. Mhm. Mhm. You know, and there's changes we could make right here in our own towns and cities, right? We could challenge the constitution and demand that it is amended so we could tax Yale. That is big. Okay, that yeah. is big. Right? We could make these changes. Connecticut does not have to wait on other states to do it. We could do it right here first. Why not? Yeah. Right? Why not? 
Yeah, you can do it as a collective, <clears throat> but you can't get them to they can't get them to pay attention. Right. Right. So now you have your new platform and your new platform you're really focused on uplifting the black voices in particular. You want yes. to talk a little more of why that part is so critical? Just what we just said. We keep getting political leadership that exploits our community and our pain for votes. And, and you know, because we're not a collective and we have all the sold out black people, I mean, you just can't, you know, they, they think they're fine and they think that they're safe because all they hear from is the, the, the sold out black people. You know, when, when the sold out black people aren't the ones with the crumbling foundation. You know, they're not the ones that have, a, you know, hunger or housing insecurity, you know? Right. They're hearing from the people that they want to hear from. Right. So that's why our platform is so important because everybody needs to know what everybody in the community is going through right. and how important it is for us to become a collective. And not only that, for us to control our media because a big part of the problem is Channel 8 will not cover certain things. That is a fact. Nor will NBC, right? And this is why when we have platforms that that you know, such as yours, we have to safeguard them because guess the fuck what? They're safeguarding their white supremacy. They oh, do listen. everything to an extent yeah. for a reason. Yeah, you can't get into Paul Bass's, I mean, Paul Bass, you can't get into Al Lotto's page. You mm -hmm. can't go, you know, unless unless you're a car-carrying white supremacist, you can't get in it. Like, mm -hmm. I go in there and, and I got blocked from all of his pages. Everybody, right. me, Daniel Dunn, Chris Ashley, everybody's been blocked. We can't get into his pages. So if you get right. to have a private platform to basically radicalize crazy people against black people, then I surely can have a private platform to in, in educate and empower black people. Yes. You know? Yes. And what you're doing is you're actually recreating the railroad digitally. I'm recreating the railroad. This is the new railroad. This is the virtual railroad. That's right. And it's sad because you shouldn't have to do that, but this is what has to happen because unfortunately we're back there. We're back there and we need to accept that. We need to really understand what's going on. We need to accept that after something like COVID where these white people had their wealth and their privilege threatened, they will do any and everything to protect it, including re-electing that ass white, the orange guy. <laughs> yeah, they love that actually, and and speaking to that, we should pay attention to how organized they are and realize we need to organize ourselves because now they're using us against us. Yep. It's a tale as old as slavery. They're using us against us, right? Yeah. Look how easy that woman wrote that article in an attempt to blaspheme and disenfranchise you and all involved. Stick and and look, how, look how easily... Um, they go into Hamden Action, the Hamden Needs Solutions and Hamden Crime Watchers page yes. and, and basically make, I mean, telling, putting through that page that I'm creating gangs that are causing home invasions. I mean, what the fuck kind of bullshit is that? You're going right. to tell, you're going to tell that lie that I'm creating, I, I have gangs out here going into the white community. Right. Conducting home invasions and people aren't safe because I'm of like that. A blatant lie. That's and a blatant the, fucking lie. But and, not you know, only, and the fucked up part is people are actually listening to it and spreading it and adding to it. And they're adding to it. Yes. You understand? 
Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, they just have to light the match, you know. They just have yeah. to light the match. And, and you know, and shame on our own for letting it happen. What we need to do is make, you know, denormalize that happening. I'll tell you something that's happening right now in the Black and Brown United in Action group, the private group. There's a member in the group right now. Not everyone in the group is a member of the actual core group, but we have, you know, this is where we share and blog state. There's someone in there who's intent on talking shit about the current leader of the Connecticut NAACP. Now, I have no allegiance to Scott Exdale. We're not BFFs. We don't go to each other's houses. We don't know each other's kids. It's nothing like that. There's no, nothing, nothing, right? I could talk for days. We could talk about, you know, the NAACP and break it down on things that they should have and have not done. That's a whole separate conversation. But within Uh our group, there is another black person who years ago, Jimmy Griffin, had whatever he had with the NAACP and he's still, you know, mad about it. Now, I know you're mad about it, but why are you bringing it to my group? And why are you trying to get other black people to help you tear this man down? Now, to add to that, Jimmy is also a black Republican. So now you're doing the master's work. I am not going to stand for that. I'm not going to stand for that. And I will tell him publicly, privately, in text, on Facebook, however he wants it, I'll give it to him. I'm not going to stand for it. And more people need to do that. Right. Yeah. Look, you know, we need to do that. We need to say this is where the bullshit stops, right? And and not allow it to grow. That is critical. Look at what happened with Justin Farmer. Look at what yeah. happened with you. We could go down the line. We could name names. Carrie Ellington. Come on. Yeah. The long list. It's a very long list for all the wrong reasons. And and the the fucked up part is we have all these alleged white allies who run around and they say the white things and do the white things. And when they like you, they like you. And when you're useful, you're useful. But when that term expires, guess what happens? Tell them what happens, Rondo. They burn your ass to the ground. All the way down. Uh-huh. Before we close out, Rondo, you want to tell everybody how they could get in touch with you and share some more on your platforms? Sure. Reach out to us to the Hamden Action Now public page on Facebook um, or our Instagram page. Just hit me up. Uh, send us a message, and we'll give you the link to the uh, Hamden Action Now private group so you can watch some of our videos. Again, nothing radical there, all about black empowerment, um, which is what we need in our community. So either our Hamden Action Now, um, either you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can send us a message, and we will definitely get in touch. That's amazing. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much taking time out today to sit with me and let me tell you all this is not going to be her last appearance trust me this lady's going to be up here more um you're going to hear some more um because this is not over we are dedicated to using both our platforms we're fed up we're fed the fuck up um yes, enough. <laughs> enough is enough we had enough y'all giving me gray hairs and shit um and so we need to do what we need to do but we need you all to support us so you know Check out the links um, that I'm going to leave when I post this. And, you know,